Hey everybody, welcome to the Patty G Show. I'm your host, Patty G. We are here with Matthew Holmes of Holmes Building Material. I am super excited to hear his family story. He is not third, but fourth generation owner of this business. Kept it in the family. I'm curious to hear his perspective of how all that worked as a kid raised in a family business myself. I am I'm eager to learn the lessons that he's got within his brain. So before we get to that, I want to give a big, wonderful shout out and thank you to the amazing folks that make this show possible each and every week. Government Taco, Halaya Real Estate, Currency Bank, the Bank for Business, Lake Men's Health Center, Horizon Financial, Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge, and you know the amazing outfit of the day we've got on is brought to you by McClavey Limited. Without further ado, Matthew, welcome to the show, man. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming on. My outfit is not brought to you by McLevy. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, it's brought to you by Nike. Nike? Okay. Well, <laughs> look, we, we're not that classy, okay? We couldn't get Nike to sponsor the show. We're, we're not that good at golf. <laughs> yeah. So this is the uniform that I wear every single day, five days a week when I go to work. I, I love it because that's y'all's, that's y'all's blue, right? That's our blue. Like, like LSU's got their purple. Holmes has blue. That's right. So it, it goes, it's, it is the fit. It's your fit. You walk into the store and everybody knows who works there and everybody knows who doesn't work there. Have you had anybody wear like the same colored shirt and like walk up from behind and like tap on the shoulder and say, hey, I need you in this aisle. And they're like, what are you talking? I don't work here. No, but I do go to Academy and they're like, oh, uh, do you know where the whatever <laughs> golf clubs are? And I'm like, man, I don't work here. I'm sorry. Same color. But, but they're aisle 12. <laughs> <laughs> so it is the same color as Academy? Yeah, pretty much. Or Lowe's. That's a good one too. Yeah, Lowe's blue, absolutely. So, Matthew, who who are you, and what is Holmes Building Materials? Uh, so, I am Matthew Holmes, as introduced. Um, Holmes Building Materials is a locally owned lumberyard. Uh, my family started it. Uh, my great grandfather and grandfather in 1957. It was started as a brick and salvage company. Uh, so they would go in and they would tear down old buildings. They'd get paid to tear them down. They would save the old brick. They would save the old pine beams. They would save literally anything else they could. So when I was working, we still had a little bit of salvage stuff. And I remember like windows and doors and like screens were a big thing. But I can remember there being like used toilets and stuff like that, that they would have salvaged and they're whatever, a $10 toilet or whatever it's going to be. Right. So, I mean, literally anything that they could save out of the building, they would do it. Um, my father got involved with the business out of uh, LSU in the 80s, mid 80s, which was not a good time to be in the building industry. Interest rates were terrible. Not as bad as today, but I was terrible. about to say, I think um, <laughs> 80s and today are. Yeah, two different things, yeah. right? Uh, 18% and 7% are two different things. Uh, so he got involved. Uh, they continued to sell some old stuff, but then they started moving into, hey, I need a two before to go with this, right? So then they started branching out into newer products as opposed to old reclaimed products. Uh, some of his buddies that he graduated with would have went to the Exxons and the Turners of the world. So it really got his foot in with some industrial uh, companies to get the business started. And it transformed uh, from Holmes Brick and Salvage into Holmes Building Materials. Uh, and then fast forward in time, I worked there um, off and on as a kid. Dad was always real big into you need to go like in the real world and go work for somebody else. Right. And really know really? what it's like to get hired and fired. Uh, and then. Okay. Um, so I would always do that in the summertime. So I played sports through high school and stuff like that. And so in the summertime, when I had time, I would go work for somebody and then I would work for him during school time. Right. Because it was just a little bit more flexible. Uh, went to 
graduated from Catholic, went to LSU, uh, graduated in construction management uh, in 2007. From there, uh, moved to Shreveport with my wife. We got married right after college. Uh, worked in the construction field in Shreveport and then got to come back in 2011 back into the business, right? Uh, in outside sales at first for a couple of years, I had small kids at that point and it was a flexible job. Um, and then into management after that. And then, uh, dad retired four years ago. Okay. So he is, um, he is not involved on a day-to-day basis. We're partners in the business. Um, he's more of a silent one, which is, he does a great job at that. They travel and they stay busy and stuff like that. So, um, so today homes building materials looks like two, I always call them yards, lumber yards, hardware stores. Um, we have a facility on airline highway that's nine acres. We have a facility on Florida Boulevard in Denham Springs. That is about two, two and a half. Uh, and then we actually just opened up a showroom in Metairie, uh, right outside new Orleans, uh, to sell windows and doors. Cause that's one of the things that usually it's not nearly as many deliveries as lumber. Um, and you can go a little bit further for that stuff. Right. Um, so we opened up that showroom, um, uh, three months ago. Okay. Um, so you were so involved that's the newest in, in that adventure. Opening. Correct. And okay. then we bought, uh, Ed price, which was uh, on airline highway, which is where we currently are. We bought that five years ago. So we moved out of our original store on Greenwood Springs and Ardenwood into that facility just because it was a nine acre facility. It has a railroad track in the back. So we get lumber off of rail. Um, it's just a much bigger place and it was built to be a lumber yard. And we've never really had that before. We always piece stuff together. <laughs> um, so it's concrete and, and sheds are amazing thing when you want to be in the lumberyard business. Right. Um, so that's kind of our story. Um, that's how we've, we've kind of grown up into it um, and progressed throughout the years. I love that. So there's a lot to unpack there. I yeah, I went back. through like you went through, through, like through everything. Seventy years, <laughs> all in seven minutes. So let's go. That's pretty spot on for your time, by the way. Oh, there you go. Um, so backing up initially to the salvage side of the business, I'm curious about that end. And I know you probably you run a thought at that point in time uh, in history, <laughs> but curious to hear what they kind of told you about it because I'm sure. I mean, that's what family businesses do tell you about well the way it used to be or back in my day. So it's funny, the dad always has stories about like um, cleaning brick. So you would go, you would tear a building down, you would get the brick back to the yard, but then the brick has mortar and everything else all over it. You can't resell it or stack it like that. So, right. They just dump it into a pile and then the lowest people on the totem pole get to have a chipper and a hammer and they chip the mortar off and then they restack all the brick to you so you could actually make it sellable. So like the, is that even profitable? It's profitable today because old brick is real expensive. Look, and there's only so much old brick true. to go around. This is And there's this so many old true. pine beams to go around. So what they did then is very profitable today. There's just not a lot of people doing it. And it's more mom and pop shops uh, doing those kind of things. Yeah, like one-offs. Like I, my dad, we used to live on Lobdale, and then they moved out to Sunshine, Louisiana. And... He got a big barn whenever they moved to this property. It was nine and a half acres. And so it was like, now we're doing a mini farm. And in the barn, we transported like 20-foot beams from this old school or this old church that he helped tear down and got to keep all this cypress. Mm -hmm. And he's had those beams for 20, 30 years. 
and he's just kept them because he's like, you can't find this stuff anymore, this reclaimed cypress that was used in construction and carefully taken down. I mean, that stuff's priceless at this point. Now. Right, and the trees that are getting cut at this point aren't anything like the trees that were getting cut then, right? Whether they, because you still cut cypress, it's just not the same, right? Yeah. Um. So and it's, been around for two hundred years. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it's not pecky. It hadn't been sunk in a river. Like, there's all kinds of different things, right? So, uh, I remember him telling me stories about that. Um, it was it was really interesting. Uh, and then I remember still having some old stuff as a kid and thinking like, why do we have this old garbage? You know, like, I, and then somebody would come in and buy like, where's I need an old window or like somebody's trying to, you've seen like window sashes that they put mirrors in and they hang them on the wall as decoration. Yep. Right. Do y'all have any window sashes? Like that, they, people would come in and ask that when I was a kid. Uh, and now that. it's, I feel like it's kind of going back that way a little bit from a design standpoint. People are wanting that old, those older elements. I mean, I know. We would move, we moved a pallet of bricks from one house to another because my mom was like, we have to keep these bricks because mm-hmm. they're old Charleston bricks or whatever. Right. They've got the little indents or impressions in them. And uh-huh. whenever we moved out to the house they're out now in sunshine, they were like, we want to redo the patio with bricks and put all these old time bricks everywhere. And finding them was like, you couldn't. And they don't match if you can. Like, they just, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. And you can... T- I, Doing all that, I quickly learned what a new brick looked like and what an yeah. old brick looked like because <laughs> the, they did a pizza oven, and that was all new brick, all yeah. new fire brick. It, but looks then every, it looks great. It's perfect. <laughs> it's clean. But then everything else was all this old brick, and it was chipped, and it had texture to it. Yeah. And it was a very cool element of homes that I guess you not many people really are thinking about that when they're sourcing it from somebody like homes. They're just saying, I want X, Y, and Z, and then you all have to figure out, where are we going to get this from? Right. Or we just say, I mean, in the salvage days, you just say, like, this is what I have. Yeah. Like take it or leave it, right? Well, that doesn't, at some point, that probably isn't profitable and doesn't necessarily pay the bills. So let's start with some standard dimensional lumber. Um, let's get in with some plants and see if we can't start servicing that, which, I mean, the Storm Grunel Springs is right down the road uh, from Exxon and some of the refineries and stuff like that. So that was an easy end. And then some of dad's buddies had gone to work for there for them after college. So that was a good way for them to kind of jumpstart that whole process as well. So today, breakdown between residential, commercial, industrial. Uh, residential is probably 70%. Commercial is probably 15 and 15 on industrial as well. Um, so residentials are still still building a lot. It's big chunks, right? Um, not as much. So like everything's relative, right? Building a lot is a relative term. A lot since when, right? Yeah. A lot since uh, the first of the year, first of 2022, when everything was red hot in January, February, March. No, but nothing has been like that, right? So, yes, it's going to be slower than that, right? It's funny what you get used to through COVID, right? <laughs> it's like, what's <laughs> normal? Like, what was normal again? Yeah, the, the new norms. I know we we went the the refinance route during COVID because the interest rates were so low. Sure. And I was like, oh, this is great. This is the new normal. And then now you look back at it, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, Three times what I have? No, no, yeah. thank you. Yeah, so do you really want to move and upgrade and do that when you may be a 3.75? Do you want to go to a 7.25? Right, and it, it locks you in to where you're at. But on the flip side, we start looking around the house, as did many people, I'm sure you can attest, during COVID. We want to give where we're at a facelift. Right. You know, they, they, they've got, or they've been saving up to do a down payment because they're going to move to a different house, and then interest rates went through the roof. So they still got this cash. And they don't want to travel or whatnot. And it was like, mm-hmm. we're dedicating this to a home fund. Let's do some renovations. So then they're in the need for 
lumber and everything else. I mean, how has the that renovation market kind of been? The renovation the market years? has been strong, and it's been strong for a couple of years now. And honestly, I think that that's commercial will be strong. Remodel work will be strong as well, just for the same fact of what we just talked about, right? Like somebody's not going to want to pay seven and a half percent interest. At some point they will because it'll it's, be the new it's going to be that you have to unless you just want to stay in your house for forever. But right now that's not necessarily the case. But I mean, that was the name of the game during COVID, right? So like a lot of things in the industry changed during COVID in our industry specifically. I mean, lumber is traded on the open market, right? So it goes up and down just like the price of oil and gas. You can bet on it if you want to personally. Uh what we do is in business, you buy low and say, you sell it high, correct? Say, walk, walk, walk me through that because I wasn't aware that yeah, that's so the setup that, for lumber. That product changes all the time as okay. opposed to um, something that maybe manufacturers like products that we have like sheetrock, windows, doors. These things may have one price increase a year in the first quarter. They say, hey, we're going up 3% and that's yearly. You can kind of bank on that. Now, during COVID, they may have had two or three price increases during the year. But they're announced, they're publicized, like here it is, sheetrock's going up 3%, 4%, whatever it is, right? Well, lumber isn't, there is there is one publication that dictates pricing on lumber for everyone in the United States. Random Links is the publication. So, so they, they okay. come out and they say, we've talked to these traders and lumber is, should be trading at this. Now, you have Southern Yellow Pine, you have Spruce, you have Cedar. You have duck fur. You have all these different pockets, right? Like we're in a big southern yellow pine pocket just because pine trees are all around us, right? Um, so they may say lumber, like southern yellow pine should be trading at $300 a thousand. So then you, I think that's a good deal. So I say, well, I'm going to buy some, right? Okay. So I call and I say, I call a mill and I say, hey, I want to buy some lumber. It's $300 a thousand. They say, well, I got to include freight and some profit. So add $15 to random is the verbiage that they give you, right? So random okay. being three hundred dollars because random links said that Southern Yellow Pine was three hundred. So now it cost me three hundred fifteen, right? So I'm hoping that I bought it low and then maybe it goes up, right? Maybe it goes up to three eighty five, then I make a little bit of money. Well, in in COVID land, that went from like okay, maybe there's swings of fifty dollars a thousand, which is a couple of dollars for a two before, right? Well, that went to a swing of like from three hundred to fifteen hundred, down to three hundred. And we've oh, never had anything smokes. like that, right? So, I mean, it was huge spikes in the industry followed by huge falls. We're in, it's fallen and it's gotten back down to pre-COVID levels currently. But these were huge ups and downs. Um, so, we could quote a job and say like, hey, today's Tuesday. <laughs> I'm going to hold this quote until <laughs> Thursday afternoon. That's, That's short. Yeah. And you as a builder... Don't build a house in three days, right? No. So then how do you prepare? And I mean, that's what we all fought through, right? Yeah. And we had Build CC on the show back in 2021, so right during COVID. And he's a commercial builder. They built the uh, the new commercial complex right there on Jefferson by, uh, it's right next to McClavey. They put yeah, like the new yeah. uh, the um, workout gym in there and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Counter space in yeah, there. Right, yeah. I know what you're talking about. So he said before they started building jobs. That was jobs, a bad, that was bad timing. It was poor timing. But he <laughs> said he he apparently has a lay down yard or something. He bought all the lumber for the job before the spike. I gotcha. And so he would essentially purchase in bulk from somebody like Holmes sure. and hold it 
for projects. Right. But they wouldn't start until they had, because they, then they had the whole supply chain issue, which we'll get into. So he would purchase it and hold it until they had a project. And then when he had a project, he would not like dig one shovel of dirt until they had everything ready to go and supplies to start. And that just fascinated me because typically it's not how it's normally done. They'll order consecutively, as they right? As Correct. they go. Correct. And when he told me that, I was like, that's, that's a smart move, but also now you're becoming the lumber yard where you're holding all this products, hoping that you purchase at the right time and you're, you're adding another job to your, right. or another element to your job. So you're rolling the dice, right? Because right. then they're going to say, well, like, what do you think lumber's whatever right now, $500 a thousand. What do you think it's going to do? And I'm like, I think it's going to do this, but keep in mind, like I have a lot of dollars invested in this. If I really knew what it was going to do, it's just like the stock market, right? I'd be all in at something. And then I would yeah. let you know as a builder and friend, right? Like, Hey, you should buy your stuff now because it's super low. Right. But I don't have a crystal ball either. So I'm just guessing And sometimes you guess right. And sometimes you guess wrong. Right. Here's a stock trader, but in wood. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> right. This is, but in real, real product, right. because you have to take that real product at some point. Sometimes you can delay it for mills and stuff like that. But at some point you have to say, Ooh, that was a bad. And I had some bad deals like through the last two years of like, I thought it was low. It wasn't low. I have to take it in. And then what do you do? Like, uh, because so what do you do at that point? Well, you mark it down to be honest, because there's, you're only, I'm only going to get so much for a commodity, right? right? So on your phone right now, you can Google Home Depot and Lowe's and you can see how much a two before 16 foot is or how much a piece of OSB is, right? So if a piece of OSB is 1099 right now, I can't sell OSB at 1499 and expect to sell any, right? It, because what we offer is not unique. There's very few things that we offer that are unique. It's a commodity, right? Especially when it comes to dimensional lumber. So then I need to be at 1099. Well, I may be losing money on that, right? Sometimes yeah. you win if some, you, and sometimes you lose some. Right? You're losing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some and some, and we won some, and you lose some, and it's fun, and it's. I don't need to go to the casino and gamble, right? Because <laughs> like you're just you're rolling the dice. You with just roll the dice a with your lot more money than I would ever bring to the casino. I could tell you that. That is, that is fascinating. I did not know that that was a component of, even like thinking of homes. It's like. Well, they just buy all this stuff and they get it from the manufacturer. I did not realize it was traded on the open market. That's incredible. It sure is. So from the supply chain issue that happened with the whole wood, whenever everything peaked, mm -hmm. two things, two parts. Did you see that coming? And what did you do for it? So we have a bunch of different product categories and everyone's treated differently, right? So okay. you have lumber to, and, and if you think about a house, right? So you have lumber to build a house. That's one product category. You have steel that goes in the foundation, right? And pretty much everybody knows at this point that steel went up and down too. It got really, really expensive. Granted, we're not building metal houses, but there's still steel in it, right? Mm -hmm. um, then you have sheetrock that we sell. You have insulation. Those are manufactured items, and everybody had trouble with manufactured items, right? You have windows and doors. Some of that stuff is imported. Some of it isn't. Um, you have uh, trim and molding, so baseboards and crowns and casings, all of that's imported, almost all of it. And that was a major issue. So there's, there's different components to everything that we sell. So those are the items that we sell. We don't sell brick. We don't sell stucco. I can't inform anybody about those, but y'all so got completely out of the brick and yeah, brick but that, was, that was in like the eighties. Yes. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was when, when old brick dried up and that got to be really hard work. Uh, let's try something <laughs> different. Um, so 
on the lumber side of things, lumber was never real difficult to get. At certain points, lumber was hard to get. But hard could have been like, I was supposed to have it in two weeks and I got it in like three and a half. Okay, well, it's not the end of the world. Like, we'll make do. Sometimes we're out of stuff. Like, that's not uncommon, but it's not like, hey, I don't know, Mr. Customer, I'm out of it, and I don't know when I'm going to get it again, right? Like, I'm out of it. I should have it in a week or in a couple of days or in what, like, in a lot of lumber, like, if you need a 14-foot board and I'm out of a 14-foot board, I'm going to give you a 16-footer. So, like, yeah. I can I can just move up a length and stuff like that. You can sub out things and stuff like that. Um, what was difficult was now lumber was expensive but I was about it, to say it, but like, it wasn't necessarily expensive. hard to get which begs the question of why was it so expensive so why was it so expensive matt <laughs> um that's a very good question and no one saw that coming and then the thing is like if i show you a graph and it goes up really really high and then it dips down right so throughout that period of going up really really high maybe that was three or four months so it starts going up and you go me i go Ooh, it's rising. I only want to buy a little bit at a time because I don't want to buy a whole bunch of it because it, it's going up, right? And yeah. I don't want to buy high-priced stuff. You, you could it could go down tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I should have bought a whole bunch when it started going up because I didn't know it was going to go up as much as it actually did, right? Right. Um, so that that was that was a struggle that we went through. But other product categories were honestly much harder, like windows because of manufacturing problems because all these people work in plants. A lot of the windows that we get, if they're vinyl, they come out of Houston and Dallas. Uh, if they're a little bit higher in and they're like aluminum clad, they look like a wood window. Uh, they may come out of the Midwest uh, or Northwest. So the the clad windows were easier to get just because they don't go in every house, right? Like it, it's a higher end product. Vinyl windows were very hard to get from like a two-week lead time to a, hey, this is going to take 26 weeks. 26 weeks. Yeah. So it went from two to it went from eight, then it went to 12. But then the problem is like it was eight. You tell your customer eight and then it gets to six and now it's not eight anymore. It's 12. Well, the customer thought it was going to be eight and it, now it's 12 and nobody has any heads up on this. Right. So it's a hard, hard thing to do. And no one in Louisiana man manufactures windows like that's not a thing. Right. Okay. So, um, so how do you communicate that or how did y'all communicate that part about the time delay switch, because at some point as, I mean, you're 70% residential. So at some right. point as the homeowner, I, I, I really don't care. What, why is my house not moving forward? Yeah. You know? So like, how do you as a supplier keep that relationship? So every, every homeowner and every builder was in the same boat of, they don't care at all about the issues that are going on. I just want my stuff. That yeah. was like the first wave of COVID. The second wave, everybody got a little bit nicer because they're like, I just need some stuff. Can you just tell me when I, I know it's going to be late? Just tell me when I'm going to get it. Because they had already been screwed so many times yeah. the last year. They're like, and and everybody planned a little bit better. So like 2020, no one planned for anything because nobody knew what to plan for, right? In 2021 and 2022, depending on what time of year we're talking about, everybody planned a little bit better, right? So then it was a little bit easier. It's like, tell me the damage. How long is it going to take to get windows? 20 weeks. Okay. Well, like I'm going to pull a permit in three weeks. So I'm going to go ahead and order my windows now, which never happens. Right. Like it just, it's crazy. So they so tried, started they tried to do a little bit better. Okay. Right. Uh, but it is a hard thing to communicate. And the bad thing is we don't get communicated to. So the, the manufacturer is not calling us going, Hey, we just switched a six week lead time to a 12 week lead time. 
So anything that you had in the queue is going to get bumped to 12 now. So it takes us getting to five weeks to say like, hey, man, my windows are due next week. No, they're going to be another seven or another six. Really? And so y'all have to call the manufacturers it. at that point. Yeah, manufacturers don't tell you what you're going to get. Okay. Yeah, until it just doesn't show up, right? Because that part of the problem is they were all shorthanded, so everybody's new, so they don't know what they're going to produce till it like physically gets on a truck, and then they're like, oh well, this is on your truck this week, you know? Gosh, maybe it's on your truck this week. Yeah, maybe. And then it, we, we we had a new guy stacking. We, we, you know, we, we, we don't damage. Yeah, we don't know. Uh, a, we don't know the quality that was built, and B, was we don't an know. Issue. We don't know how the how the truck is gonna get to your place. Right. So you say that was an issue. There was like some stuff coming in where you could just look at it, and you were and like, you know, "This is there's got to be like a rookie on the line somewhere, or somebody had to be too many beers, or something was going on, right?" <laughs> COVID brain, man. Yeah, COVID right. brain. <laughs> yeah, you have bars and windows, and they're just crooked, right? Like that's yeah. something's not quite right on that. So quality suffered on some manufactured products. Some of them it was fine. It just took longer. Uh, anything that was imported uh, is was always a struggle. So a lot of flooring is imported okay. um, on sea cans. That was a struggle. Um, all of your molding, so baseboards, crowns, casings, that kind of stuff, almost all of that's imported because it's all MDF. Uh, that was a struggle. I mean, it was, and those were ones where like, I don't know when I'm going to get it. Like I call the manufacturer, it's sitting on a sea can, floating out there off the coast of California or off of, you know, in the Gulf of Mexico. They don't know when they're going to unload it. Was, at least, at least with wood, yeah. it's here. <clears throat> so like maybe they don't know when a truck's going to pick it up, but that may be like a week delay, right? Not okay. like. It's floating on a ship, and they want too much money to unload it, right? Okay. So so the wood wasn't necessarily the main issue at hand at the time. It was everything else that went with the wood. Correct. So you could build the frame of the house. You'd just be looking at a frame of the you house. you pay a lot of money for yeah. it. You could build it. You're going to pay a lot of money for it, and then it's going to sit because you can't get any of the finished goods, yeah. right? Like I know cabinets were always a pain in the butt. We don't sell cabinets, but that was a pain in the butt item uh, for people to get. So then how garage doors, we don't do that either. But I heard people I heard about that. Yeah. They were but, like, but at least that's at the very end of the job. And yeah, you can like a move in a house without a garage door. You can do you that. Can't, you can. You can only yeah. get so far without windows. And then they just stop. Construction just stops. So I mean, from a from a structure and quality standpoint, do you even know what kind of an impact that has on what's being built for it to just sit there in the weather without the finishing touches on it? So it's funny how people get builders are very resourceful, right? And so they go, okay, you know what? I either had problems with windows before uh, indoors or you're telling me I'm going to have problems and there's going to be a 12-week delay. So a lot of times they'll just run like sheathing over the holes of the windows and they'll put like you've seen Tyvek, the white stuff on the outside of the house that's a vapor barrier. They'll just cover up all the windows and doors, right? And then that way there's nothing getting in the house. They leave one door open to be able to get in and out and yeah. they can do electrical work. They can do roofing work. They can do, they can get so far, but then inspectors come and they want to see windows and doors installed. And some of those inspectors actually allowed the builder to say like, Hey, you can see where I purchased the windows and doors. They won't be in another six weeks. Like, can we, can we continue to move forward? Right. So, so they couldn't move forward without windows and doors. Beforehand. No, you can't, you have to okay. get an inspection with like a building envelope uh, before you can actually close in walls and hang sheetrock. So you can't move forward without it. But some inspectors would allow them because they're like, it's going to be another six weeks. Like I, here's where I bought the windows. I bought them 12 weeks ago. I'm still waiting another six weeks. Like, I don't know what to say. 
Um, so you can, everybody tried to do as much as they could, you know? Yeah. Um, it's working together. <laughs> it was easier to work together the second time. The first time was just everybody was mad. Yeah. And it, it was a tough business to be in. So you, by, by first and second time, what do you mean by that? So twenty, so 2020 rolled around. Um, COVID happened. Restrictions happened. Construction was deemed an essential business, uh, okay. if you do not recall. Um, construction was deemed that way, and so were lumberyards and hardware stores. Because think about it. A hospital is going to be essential business, right? Yes. Something breaks in a hospital. Where are you going to go to fix whatever breaks in the hospital? You're going to, you're at some point you need tools or hardware, right? Yeah. So then a hardware store is deemed an essential business. So we went from like not knowing if we were going to have to shut down to being deemed an essential business. And then we're kind we're trying to control hours and people and stuff like that. Cause we don't know what business is going to be like. Well, then all of a sudden the floodgates opened up because everybody that was sitting around their house was tired of looking at their neighbors. They wanted a new fence or they wanted to DIY everything in their house because they were around their house. Right. So business blows up at about that same point. Building materials start being hard to get because this is a, a business is supply and demand, right? Supply greatly. Well, supply stays the same. Demand greatly increases. What are we going to do? Yeah. You know, so everybody sitting around sure the house. price of a four by eight sheet of plywood. Yeah, demand just skyrockets, right? Demand skyrocketing. The supply is the same or worse because suppliers, manufacturers were doing the same thing that we were. They're like, I don't know what's about to happen. Let me start laying people off or let me start working only one shift instead of two. Or maybe they're doing the same thing, which the same thing wasn't good enough because the demand was so high. So then they can't react. It's like turning a ship, right? Turning a cruise ship takes longer. They're much bigger places. It takes them much longer to go from, let me lay people off to, oh no, I need to make way more product. Well, like that's a hard ship to yeah, turn. It's got to catch up. It's a little bit it. easier yeah. for us, you know? Um, we flipped the switch a little bit better, but then you had to have product to sell as well, right? Like that was, that was the struggle with it. Um, so 2020, the end of 2020 was when you really, we got hit with supply chain disruptions, right? If you just couldn't get it, you didn't know you weren't going to get it. You just can't get it and you don't know when you're going to get it, right? That's when everybody gets mad. Everybody's pissed about the world and they're at their house. So they know they didn't get it. It's not like they were at work where like, right. oh, I didn't even realize that. Right. Uh, so they're not busy. They're checking on it all day, every day. Uh, so that was rough. Then there was a little bit of a lull and then 21 rolls around and now everybody's trying to prepare better than they had. Right. Um, about halfway through 22, you had products coming. You finally, like everything that you ordered on Seacans came in all at once. And then we have storage issues, right? Yeah, like, too much supply. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, I don't need all of this all at once, right? So it's funny how, like, the world works. Like, the last two and a half years in our industry have been a crazy industry to be in. From It's much more than just, like, a two before is $2.50. Like, yeah. there's a lot of backstory to this, you know? Um, and it's interesting. And we've made it through. And now we're back in normal times. And lumber's cheap, so please come buy some. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, are we really back in normal? Oh, what is normal? Is normal pre-COVID? What is, is normal? normal? Yeah. What is normal, Matt? We're not in normal. Okay. 
So what? What? I don't know be... where we're. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out where we're at. Do you know okay. where we're at? I have no idea where we're I was, at. I was. That's why I was coming on the show for. <laughs> <laughs> to ask a CPA what normal lumber prices are. <laughs> no, no, no. Just what business is normal, okay, right? Because that's. A, I'm trying to figure out what is. What are we doing for next year? So I mean, it depends. So before the show, we were talking that you listen to Orange of the Brian Haldane on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. So Brian and I, we've had many a conversations around. The, the new normal. What What is the new normal? What are we in right now going out of 22 and 23? What are we going into the first quarter of 23, the first month of 23? What is normal? And he and I have talked at length about this of having the recession here mm-hmm. or the impacts of the recession being hit and starting to be felt. And I think it may be the case for some industries. Like I've got good friends in hospitality and the restaurant industry and I've been talking with them and they're like, we're halving certain budgets because we don't know what's going to happen from these economic times. Right. But then you talk to people in other industries, they're saying 22 was the best year we've ever had and we're still going strong. So it's, it's so hard to judge and by no means am I an economist, but I think we're in an interesting time right now. I don't think we're in a normal time and I don't think we're in a COVID time. We're in an interesting time. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't like recessions. I don't think that I don't I don't like to believe in the recessions just because if you work hard enough, you're going to figure out some way to make it. Yeah, right? You can always figure out a way to make it. Correct. If you put enough work and energy into it. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I've told our people, our teammates, I've told our vendors of like you like what you our vendors like what you did the last two and a half years. That ain't cutting it in 23. Yeah. You're going to have to be way better because there's product. There's availability. There's not a lot of demand. And so supply is high or normal and demand is low, relatively speaking, then we're all going to have to do a better job. We're going to, homes is going to have to do a better job, right? Yeah. Um, because there's, there's not as many customers building as many houses or as many commercial buildings or doing some of the industrial projects, right? So everything that we do, we're going to have to be better at it. We used to answer the phone and it's like, hey, do you have this? And we say, yes, how much do you want? And they're like, I want it all, which... You can't have all of it, but like, let's talk this through, right? Now it's like, now we're, we're calling saying like, hey, man, do you want to buy some of this? Like, <laughs> I got a lot of it. Yeah. You know, so like the tables have turned and we have to be better at what we do, you know? Well, and I think that goes to how to differentiate yourself as homes, building materials versus the Home Depots of the world, right? And before, like earlier in the show, you were talking that the pricing is semi, not regulated, but the pricing is so competitive to where... If I look on their website, it's ten ninety nine, and I'm in the store, and you got fourteen ninety nine. I'm doing some math, saying that's ah, worth a gallon of gas. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll go elsewhere to purchase them for cheaper because, I mean, now there's the whole big egg dilemma that's occurring. You know, the price of eggs are rocketing, so it's like people are starting to get more price conscientious. I butchered that whole word. We're gonna move on. Yeah, that's right. Their we'll price. <laughs> they're, they're they're worried about the price, you know, and yeah. they're they're looking a lot more closely at what they purchase for what value. So as a, a yard, a lumber yard, you've got to really work on, I guess, looking at how do we service the clients better than the other blue and the orange. Sure. And, and it depends on what your, your demographic and your target market is as well, right. right? So I will tell you, if you ask me, who do we like to sell to? I want to sell to the professional. That's who I want to sell to. Now, that's a very vague term, and I'll go into, like, who is the professional, Who is right? the professional, Matthew? The, the professional could be on the industrial side. The professional is a 
project manager, an estimator that needs product in Exxon, right? Okay. The professional on a residential side could be the builder that builds 60 houses a year, the custom guy that builds three or four. I'm good with that. On the DIY side, you're building a deck in your backyard. You're the professional. And I'm perfectly fine selling you, the professional, a deck package. And honestly, it's kind of easy, typically, because you come in and you have no idea what you really need. And then we get to walk through it. And then you get to see some of the value and the service that I can provide, right? right? Somebody who knows exactly what they need and it's just a list on a page, they're probably more shopping what the number actually is because they know everything that they absolutely need. They're not looking for anything, right? right. Um, so the professional is our is our customer of choice. It's not the only customer that we wait on. I love little Miss Sally that needs to come in and buy a screwdriver. It just takes a lot of screwdrivers to add up to like a truck of lumber or a truck of windows and doors that leaves the yard, right? Right. Um, two different things. So when we're trying to get to the professional, that is, it's, it's, an, interesting, it's an interesting mindset of what we need to do. A lot of times delivery is a big deal. We have the biggest delivery fleet in Baton Rouge. Um, between the two yards, and that's a huge deal to have same-day delivery, have cheap delivery uh, in relative terms nowadays. Like when you're offering cash customers a delivery at $35, uh, that's a pretty cheap delivery when Home Depot is 75 to 100 right? Um, and they're going to get it to you in, I don't know, four or five days? Maybe. Um, maybe. If you're maybe. lucky. Um, so delivery is a big deal. Coming in and getting knowledgeable people that help you is a big deal and like truly want to be there. Um, the, I joke about like the uniform thing, but I really do think it makes a difference because no one else has that. Some other people may have their logo on a shirt and they have six different shirts and you don't know what shirt has the logo on it from behind or anything like that. Like if you're walking through the store and you're a customer and you need help and you see somebody in blue, it's one of us just say, Hey sir, can you help me with this? Or hopefully we're coming up to you saying, Hey, you look confused. You need some help, <laughs> right? You look like you're looking for something. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Um, so I, I think that that's an interesting dynamic, and that's what sets us apart a little bit um, from whether you're talking to us on the phone. We're trying to be easy to do business with. Talk to us on the phone. Give us a credit card. We'll get you something delivered same day, next day at this point. That did reach out. Like during COVID, that may have been three days. I'm not going to lie. Well, like everybody didn't want to go in the store. Yeah. So your, so your, your demand was I like... I let you in the store. You walked in the store five feet and you're like, hey, can you get me a screwdriver off of aisle six? And hopefully I grab like the right brand that you wanted or I'm walking back to aisle six after I show it to you one time, right? Um, so that's a little bit of what makes us different from a from really a professional side and a contractor side. Uh, we've got some guys that do estimating for us that are in-house uh, with a computer program that, pr that print and show great three-dimensional images of like, this is where the lumber is going in your house. Because if you've ever seen a construction site, it's muddy, it's nasty, it's wet, right? The contractor asks, like, it's hey, wet. send me. Oh, no. Why is it it's Because we live in Louisiana. Wet. That's why it's always wet. Like, like somebody's building a house down the street for me, and I drove by, and I'm like, it's just, it's exactly as you described. It's wet. Muddy and wet. I'm like, yeah. why, why is every site like this? It's always like that. Um, so then we deliver a truck or two trucks of lumber. Well, do you really think the framer, the framer knows where some of that stuff goes, right? But does he know where all of it goes, right? So if I can give him a little bit of a roadmap of like, hey, 
look at these plans. We reproduce um, layouts on the sets of plans that we have um, to say, like, these boards go here, these boards go there for joists and rafters and how to frame it. Hopefully, it makes everybody a little more efficient. And then when the framer calls the builder and says, hey, I need 10 more of this, the builder says, why do you need 10 more of that? Because it was laid out and you should have what you need, right? Um, so I have a lot of faith in those estimates. And a lot of times we give a builder an estimate and that estimate is for $65,000 and it has all these product categories that we talked about. Right. And I know what happens. It's $65,000 is plugged into a budget and then they move on. Right. Because everybody's busy and everybody has stuff to do. Do they know really what's encompassing inside of that and what we are responsible for? Right. Um, and so we have to be, every lumber yard has to be very good at what they do when it comes to estimating, or it's a real quick way to piss off contractors. If you tell them it's going to be 65 and then after all the bills get settled, it's 85, where does the 20 grand come from? Yeah. You and know? that's a steep jump too. Yeah. Uh, I would agree. Right. Like we, somebody missed something or somebody got something got reframed. Like every building gets built a little differently. Right. Mm. If you have 10 windows in your house. You should have 10 windows. You shouldn't have nine. You shouldn't have 11, right? Well, you have 450 studs and you have thousands of boards that can get cut all kinds of different ways. Who's to say it's going in right or wrong? Like that's a tough one. And the way that I think it's supposed to go in, I'm just looking on a sheet of paper. That's not the real world either. So sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes they're wrong. Sometimes we're all wrong, right? And we can all be right and it'd be done different ways. Or sometimes a customer in residential walks up and goes, you know, I liked how we had a triangle there. Let's make it an arch. Yeah. The customer is never wrong. <laughs> that is the only person who is never wrong is the customer. Uh. I'm, I'm going to pose that question to Sheffy when he comes yeah. along. <laughs> he is never wrong. Um, that's funny. Um, but, yeah, so so that's a little bit how we differentiate ourselves um, in, in something like Windows that takes a long time to get in, right? So something takes now normal is like six to 12 weeks to get stuff, which isn't bad. Some things are a couple of weeks, right? But if you mess up one thing that has a six week lead time, like I got you 11 windows, but I didn't get you 12 and the 12th is going to take another six weeks. Yeah. Well, now you got inspection problems. You got water problems. You got Don't all you think of they these just want to close, just close that window in. You, you, you know? would think, right? That's what we're trying <laughs> that, to talk that about. Window above, they save some money yeah, and everything, save, right? Look, the you window above, the, 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 um, the sink in the, in the kitchen, you don't need that. Just no. close that off. Just close yeah. that off. The window <laughs> over the tub that's like the focal point. No, you, you don't, don't need, need that. natural don't light. Need that. That's no. weird. No. no. <laughs> you got natural light in the bedroom. You know, just open the doors to the bedroom to get your natural light in the That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So that's some of the things that we can uh, differentiate ourselves between other lumber yards, between other, uh, home centers or however you want to call that. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, it's kind of along the same lines of like what Habitat for Humanity does. So they're like assemble the walls. They'll assemble the parts of the roof. So when the volunteers get there, they go stand the wall up, put nails on the floor, Yeah, stand that wall up, nails on the floor. And it's like, Oh, Everything's done. We don't. You've done anything. those volunteer service hours. I've done that before. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So yes. have I. We sell to them now, <laughs> and it's funny. It's like you always get a you always get a delivery either Friday or Saturday because that's when the volunteers come. Yep. Like we know exactly how all that works. Yeah, but I think doing that, you are providing a service that should make the builder more efficient, if it's right. By saying, "Here's where everything's going to go. Here's how it's going to be laid out," and do y'all? I mean. 
do you go so far to even like start marking the boards where it's like you get those sheets from um, those assemble packets, three A's, four B's, two C's? Yeah, so it's funny, like uh, different markets are all a little bit different, right? Um, if you go further north where the houses aren't as complicated to build and the roofs aren't as funny as of a design, they're all trusses for roofs, right? So then you're standing up walls and you're putting up trusses and then you're done with it, right? You go a little bit further and you get like pre-cut wall panels. So we're like, you're standing up like a whole panel of a wall all at once. It has sheathing, studs, sheathing, the whole nine yards on it. So people send out, and, and what that does is if you have four walls in a building and I send you four panels, you don't have any waste, right? So it doesn't matter how you cut it. You only have four to go along with that, right? right. So it, it, cut, it cuts out some of the waste and the fudge factor that you have in all of this. And it's like, Hey, I gave you a bid for $16,000. It should, you should be able to frame this for $16,000 because you only have four walls and a roof and I'm giving you all of that for it. Right. Louisiana, um, all of Louisiana is not like that, especially when you get to Baton Rouge and further South. Some of that's wind restrictions, right? Like, so for hurricanes and things like that, you have to do certain things, certain ways, um, because code dictates it. Right. Um, a lot of it is architectural and aesthetics and you've, You've seen houses that are built in Oklahoma. They, a lot of times, don't look that good. <laughs> Not for South Louisiana, right? That, that's, we were, we, we were just heading to Nashville. And we stopped at the new, the new Bucky's in Mississippi. And yeah. And a whole housing project around the Bucky's. And you look at every one of the houses and you're like, they are exactly Yeah, the you're like the 64th house on the right. That's, right. That's yours when you pull on that street, right? right? Like, it's, yeah. you're, they're all exactly the same. But then you go down any street in, in like Baton Rouge, for the most part, and no two houses are going to be the same. Well, we have some of those pockets, right? We, like we, some, we do some have of some. That happens. And there's nothing wrong with those. There's some builders that love doing that, and that's what people people like to go look at a package and select A, B, or C. Right. And then, boom, it's done, and the builder knows how to build it. But even A, B, and C look a little bit better than up north A, B, and C. We just build things better, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so that's, that's part of um, the reason why some of those things aren't done down here. Um, and when you get into more cut-up, houses that are, have more twists and turns and higher pitch roofs like you just you have to frame them conventionally you can't you can't use trusses and wall panels and stuff like that yeah it's all got to be personalized at that point uh, i would agree custom custom <laughs> we love custom down here that we do so being fourth generation of an owner of homes what was it like growing up in a family business atmosphere you it sounds like your family business atmosphere is a little different than most, which means like we've had Benny's car wash on here and mm -hmm. they always talked about going into the business, going with the family and being the next person in line. But it's almost like your dad was like, no, go work for somebody else before you even think about coming work for us. Which I thought was a great way to handle it, to be very honest. And some of those were like four week summer jobs mm -hmm. uh, with a builder who was remodeling something. So he needed just a grunt to tear stuff out. And when I was in high school. I was a good grunt when I was in high school. That worked out perfect, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I worked for uh, Bouquet and LeBlanc as an estimator for them for a couple of years in college. Uh, and then we moved to Shreveport, my wife and I, for four years. And I worked as a superintendent for a home builder. So I was on the other side of the desk knowing like, oh, hey, the lumberyard's pissing me off because they're not getting me whatever <laughs> they need to be getting me, right? Hey, Dad, um, ship something to Shreveport, please. Yeah, not exactly. That's a little outside of our realm, right? <laughs> Um, but he always thought it was important for me to have some experience in the real world because working in the family business doesn't 
isn't necessarily for everybody. I have a sister that doesn't work in the family business. I love her. She's great. She is great at what she does. She worked in the business one day with me. I was in sixth grade. She was in ninth grade probably. And she swept floors and I swept floors. And that was the last day she ever did it. And she was way smarter than me. She went and got a babysitting gig and got paid like twice as much money, right? <laughs> uh, for like the next six years. Um, so it's not for everybody. I think he wanted me to experience something outside of the business and then kind of figured, and I'm speaking for him of like, well, if you don't like that or you did like the business, if you come back, you can come back. And if you don't want to, like, let's stay in touch and we'll figure out a transition plan, right? Um, that was one thing that he was very big on and did a very good job. And it was a very smooth transition between him and I. Uh, and it went really, really well. Um, not because I did anything special, because he had planned it for forever. <laughs> he, he, he knew, knew the succession plan. He knew. <laughs> and he knew when he wanted to be retired. And he worked really, really hard for a long time. And kudos to him. He does a really good job at staying retired and traveling and doing good. that kind of stuff. So maybe one day I can grow up to be like him. Well, and I think it's also the element of how you were brought back in. You know, you said you started an outside sales job. And it's almost like he didn't, because that's one thing with family businesses that people get concerned about. You've got folks that have been with the company for 10, 15 years, and then all of a sudden the story of the prodigal son. Mm -hmm. Come back, now, oh, Matthew's going to come, he's going to be CEO, sweep it out from anybody else, have an opportunity to go up. But it sounds almost like he put you in the fleet and was like, you got to work your way up to understand you got outside experience with everybody else you worked for. Now you got to know how we really work. I agree. And look, sales, I mean, you got to be able, as a business owner, I should be able to sell better than anyone else that works for me because I should have more knowledge about what's going on in the industry. I should be more confident. That's just one of those things. And without getting out there and doing that, a lot of times you're not confident in a sales role. Like right. we were joking about cold calling or builders earlier. And I'm like, oh, you need to tell me how to do that because that's a tough <laughs> one. Like that person, they got sales skills, right? Um, so that was a little bit of what I learned throughout that. Um, we have an outside salesman that, that works for us today that when I was coming to town, dad told everybody like, hey, he's moving back from Shreveport. He's going to be working in the company. He's going to be working in outside sales, so on and so forth. And it was probably mixed reviews. I'm, I'm sure it was. But I just remember one salesman saying like, you know what? I'm really excited about this because I want to work for this company for a long time. And if Matthew didn't come back, like the assumption is that he would be taking over <laughs> at some point and he's going to pass me up in that journey. And he was okay with that because he knows he has stability in the business and in the job that he loves, as opposed to me not wanting to come back, dad still wanting to retire. And then what happens there, right? Do we sell it? Does it go to somebody he doesn't like? And then everything goes downhill, right? Yeah. So he saw me coming back. Is like, oh, this is a really good thing because now I have stability. I have something that he knows I have to work for it because <laughs> I got nothing else to do, right? Right. It's like, what are you, what are you going to do if, the, yeah, if exactly. it goes out of business there, man? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that there is that component that is also a true element of being a family business is in the fact of when you see somebody come in the family business who is a next heir or next descendant, you get that sense of comfortability and that sense of, okay, they're going to at least continue on for another generation, right? Right. Or they're going to come in and totally botch it and not even leave. You know? <laughs> One of two ways can you, happen. You get both. But right? you, you, you can do both. not any in between. No, there's no in between. They're not going to do a halfway decent yeah. job at no. running the company. You never say, oh, yeah, that's my boy. He's he's doing okay. He's mediocre. Yeah, he's mediocre. He's either, yeah, he's running out of the ground. It's not going to be here next two years. Or yeah. it's they're taking it to the next levels. They're really working with the team. Everybody jives well. 
it's a really great transition because as a, a child of a business owner, if you're given that amount of trust, generally you don't want to mess up. Sure. Because they've shown you and you've seen the late nights, the missed meals, the missed events, and you're like, they busted their butt to get to where they're at. And I don't want to be, especially when you're fourth generation, you don't want to be the generation that the business yeah. ends with. Yeah, two's, oh, that's yeah, always questionable. Two, it's like, well. And four, like, you got to keep this thing going. Right. Two is like, well, they never really got it off the ground. Yeah. You know, it Every was, now and then I get the look was, from dad, like, you got you to gotta keep working. <laughs> <laughs> so As he should. One thing that he said, and, and it sticks with me, and, and I think I have done this, is he always wanted to surround himself with people that were smarter than he was, right? Because at some point, he was the young kid coming into the business, right? Going like, I don't know everything about this, so I need to learn from others. Um, and I think I've done a really good job. Our management staff, assistant managers, just team members in general. Like, I think we've got, it's really cool. I mean, so we have a hundred, about 170 people. So it's a That's bunch incredible. of team members, right? It's a bunch to sell a little bit of lumber. In basically two locations, the showroom has half of a person working there, right? So the majority is in Baton Rouge and Denham Springs. Um, and it takes a lot of people. Uh, and it's a lot of moving parts uh, to manage all those people. But there's not one person that does it. Like, it's not me that does it. It's the whole team. Yeah. It's a team effort. So, and with that, I think it's a great segue into starting to wrap up the show where we have a few set list of questions that I think are going to go into that. I'm very curious of your answer on a few. Yeah. We're going to go on the fly on this because yeah. I completely forgot about that set list of questions. <laughs> Nailed it. Full disclosure. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So now I'm going to change them. No. Um, um, so the last set list of questions we have that we ask everybody on the show, we begin with what is something you did as a kid you wish you could still do today? So I'm not going to say that I can't do it today. It's just more uncommon is team sports. Okay. Like how amazing is it to play on team sports? I don't care what team it is. I don't care what sport it is. But I think that teaches you a lot about life and how to interact with people and some of the camaraderie and the friends that you make out of it. And, I mean, I could go get on like an intramural league and do like tear ACL or something fun like that, right? Um, but in general, I'm not playing team sports anymore, right? That ended in high school. I never played in college. I was not nearly that good. Uh, but that was a great time in my life. Like, it taught me a lot. I, and I, I always wish I could go back there. And I see, so my daughter uh, does dance, which some of it is team, some of it is solo, right? Um, and then my son uh, does basketball and, and a little bit of baseball and football and team sports. Um, and I just, I, I, I want them to enjoy it so much. I don't want to be like that dad, right? But I'm like, inside, I'm like that dad. And I just hide it well on the outside, right? Yeah, you said a great, great job. But on the inside, you're like, you better do better. Come yeah, on, come on, step exactly up your game. Right. Let's yeah. go, let's go. Yeah, see, I, you're building I, memories. Yeah, I worry about that on my part because I'll go to my niece and nephew's sporting events and I'm that uncle. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm way too into this sport versus which I have no skin in the game whatsoever. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I'm like, I've got, got a First little... of all, you're a great <laughs> uncle just for going. And now I'm like, I've got a one-year-old coming up, and I'm like, okay, uh, I have to figure out a way to either tone myself down yeah. or just fully on embrace it's it. Where, 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 I walk, where I walk on the field with my, with, my, with my boy, and they're like, oh, great. He's here. You're that guy. Yeah, I might be that the guy. heckler in the stands. I might be that guy. I don't, it just, it gets, it's like, it gets in, you know, you sit on the field and you're like, okay, oh, oh, now I'm into it. Like, 
few minutes you warm up and then you're like you're in it i do a good job of holding it in i can't say i, I coached some sports when he was littler uh but i can't i don't coach dance uh, and i don't i don't coach any sports right now uh, and i try i try to stay out of it i try to stay out of it peacefully as i can kudos to you on that yeah so what are three lessons you've learned along the way? I mean, you've worked for outside companies. You've worked for your family business. You've worked with your sister for a day. So obviously you've learned some lessons throughout mm-hmm. your career. What are three? So that's a good one. I'm a, I'm a, I have to ponder this one a little bit, right? Ponder it. So I did have a, I had a mentor of mine in Shreveport, and I love the man. His name's Steve Wardlaw. Uh, he, he was a... Um, he was my manager and my direct report uh, when I worked up there and I was building houses and I didn't know how to build a house at all. Like I knew nothing about building houses and that was my full-time job. Like it was, it was terrible. Like I just graduated college and that was what I was doing. So I was screwing up stuff left and right. Um, and I'm not going to say the company who I was working for either. Uh, we'll, leave, we'll leave them on the, those that <laughs> shall not be named. It's, that's been a while ago now. Like I'm, we're past the, the Louisiana new home warranty act. So we're good. There you go. Um, and he told, I heard him tell a customer one day, and I always take this to heart, that what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. And just because you don't like it doesn't mean that it's not right, right? And it's it's less about the saying and more about sticking up for yourself of like, he had a customer that was mad at him about something trivial and he could have given in, but it wasn't the right thing to do, right? So try to do the right thing and I think that you'll succeed and everything will be okay. Right. And I just, I remember him telling that person that, and that didn't help the situation at all, by the way, but I like that is always stuck in the back of my head. And it's like, if you know, something's right, stick up for yourself. And you know, if something's wrong, you better cave early and just get out of it. Right. Cause right. like, if you know, it's wrong, just get out of it. You're yeah. done. Right? Throw it, throw it in reverse and just, yeah. And just just, I'm, I'm so sorry. I will fix this right now. Right. And if it's not, and if it's right, I, I stick it to my guns on this one. Right. Yeah. So that was a huge lesson. Um, dad has really taught me, I would say, humility um, just from how he grew up, how he lives today, how we live. I mean, it's just uh, it's humbling to see how he interacted with his team. And hopefully I do. I'm following those footsteps. And I'm doing a halfway OK job. Right. Um, you can ask some people that, that work with us uh, to find that out. But dad was always humble. Um, he was not a yeller and screamer that very rarely happened, but you knew when dad was mad, right? Like you, it didn't take much and you knew when he was mad, but he treated everybody with respect And I've really in a tough industry. Sometimes people owe you money and sometimes you get sideways on things and stuff like that. So it's, it's a, it's not an easy industry to be in. And I've never really had somebody say like, Oh, Hey, your dad did this to me and I can't stand him or this happened. Like, Everyone has, everyone has always said good things about him. Yeah. Um, cause he treats people right and he's humble about it. Right. Um, so that would be my, my second thing. Um, I don't know. We'll come back to my third thing after your third question. How about that? <clears throat> okay. Sounds good. <laughs> so my third question is what is something you love about Baton Rouge? Man, there is, I've lived a couple other places. We travel a lot and there's a lot to love about other places but like, why do we always come back to Baton Rouge? Right? Like all, it's not the prettiest scenery. I'm, I'm not a hunter and I'm not a fisher really, which is a weird thing to be. That's a weird thing in South Louisiana. South Louisiana is a weird thing to be. I'm like in the wrong place. Right. Um, but it's gotta be the people, right? Like they're just, 
there's something about the people. And when you go other places, it's not the same. And I mean, I know there's Southern charm and Southern hospitality and the cooking is great, but it's, it's the way the people interact. You don't get that in a lot of other places. You just don't. Um, it's a way that two complete strangers can sit down and talk and, and it'd be just like we were friends, right? Like, I, I don't know why this works and I don't know why it works with everybody here, but I can't say that that would be the case all around the country because not That's everybody's the same, right? So it's the culture and it's the people. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. Everybody is just, they want to help in a way that they can. Sure. And they want to be a part and do their part to do what someone else may need that they have that they can offer. Right. So now the third lesson. All right. Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, let's do the third lesson after the fourth question. What's the fourth Pushing question? this off, man. I know. I know. Third lesson should be one. don't procrastinate. What did my mom teach me? Damn it. There you go. What did your mom think teach you? I don't know. Keep going with the fourth question. Okay. So the fourth question, what can I do to help you? Man, this is helping us, right? Like getting the word out about homes, building materials. Um, my best friend that I lived with for two or three years in college, we were out of college and he asked me one day, he's like, Hey man, I need to build a fence in my house. Like, can you do that? And I'm like, like, can I send you the materials? Well, yeah. I was like, Wally, that that's what we do all day, every day. Like that is like literally yes, the name yes, of the our game. Yes, the answer is yes. So like, how does my best friend not know? He's like, well, I didn't know you were open to like the public. And it's like, uh, the doors are open seven to five every single day, right? So getting the word out, like you've already helped, right? Um, and we try to continue to do that. It's funny um, how many people don't think or they get uncomfortable like, Ooh, that's like a, that's a big store. That's a, that's where professionals go to buy stuff. Well, that's fine. And they do, but we'll treat everybody the same. It doesn't matter if you know what you need. If you need to build a fence and you have no idea, but you know, like, well, it's 50 feet this way and 50 feet and 50 feet. We can tell you what you need. It'll be all right. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't freak out. <laughs> you, you, there's a lot of handholding in store. Yeah, that's fine. Know, but yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what we're there for. If there wasn't handholding and you really knew what you needed, you could go shop online from six different people. Right. Yeah makes us a little different. So what you're doing, um, promoting small business, uh, is great, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on the show, man. No problem. What about my third lesson? I was about to say, I'm still going to stick you for the yeah, third I lesson. I, I I'm, we're not, we're not done yet. We're it, not right? done yet. Don't ring uh, the bell. <laughs> <laughs> um, my third lesson is probably that my kids have taught me patience. Your, your upcoming child will teach you patience. He already right? has. Uh, I am not a patient person. I'm not patient in business. I'm not patient in sales. Like I like to get the job done. And my kids, even though I may not be patient with my kids either, like they teach me patience and <laughs> they try to keep me patient. So yeah. I, it's it's an ever going challenge that I have, which transposes into life, reality, business. I mean, you have to be patient regardless of what it is. Sure. You know, we've been, we talked about your business and people may see homes as a great, big, successful business, but you've been around since the fifties, you know, you didn't start last year oh, there's, to there's get to no where way, you're at, right? you know, yeah. it takes time to build something that's worthwhile. It takes time to create something that people know is a household name or they know in general, you can't just, I mean, there is a rare exception, but that's not the norm. So thank you for coming on, man. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your time and taking us down memory lane. Uh, there's lots of memories. <laughs>
lots of memories. Last two years, I feel like created a whole lot. It was like, I'm, I'm done. I'm out. Like, what is normal again? Like, uh, yeah, this is this has been a roller coaster the last couple of years. It's fun. I yeah. like it. It makes it a challenge. And it keeps everybody on their toes and not getting too comfortable. So, I mean, the last month we're like, we're all sitting around going like, man, we could do so much more. Like, this is crazy, right? Like, look at what we're used to. Like, come on, you know, bring it on. I think when we look back and somebody makes some documentary on this and we analyze the impact it had on people's work ethic and their drive and what they really thought they had to do to make something become successful, Mm -hmm. we're going to surprise ourselves because they're going to see what type of work ethics could have been born out of COVID. And those companies, like I'm listening to Good to Great right now as my audio book when I work out in the gym. That's I what I you. listen to. I and you. so thinking about his studies that he did in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, I'm like, someone's going to do this for the years of COVID and figure out what businesses went from good to great because of the work ethic and just the pure tenacity they built up during that struggle bus time frame to become what they're going to become later on. Sure. The road. Yeah. In five years, what a, what evolved over those five years that came out of COVID, right? Yeah. What what people took lessons that they had to implement because of the change in the economy, the whole world that they're sticking to mm-hmm. 23, 24, 2030, whatever year it is. And how has that impacted their bottom line? We've all got to be better this year. We all got to be better than we were last year. That's it. We are going to be better than what we were yesterday. That's right. So thank you, man. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on. It means a lot. Perfect. Thank you very much. So absolutely. I thank you, everybody else, for listening or watching the show, whatever form you are consuming us on. I'm very thankful, and I know that the guests are as well. Look, guys, gals, homeowners, self-improvers, whatever you are, homes building materials sounds like it's going to be right up your alley, especially if you don't know quite what you need. They're going to be the folks that are going to let you know exactly what you need for every project. So we're going to link them up in the show notes. We're going to tag them. I'm going to convince Matthew to get an Instagram, and we're going to make sure everybody can access everything they need to for homes building materials. So thank you all so very much. This has been a great episode of the Patty G Show, and a big, wonderful thank you to the amazing folks that make this possible each and every week. Hear a little bit more about each of them right now. Sell your home for a $399 flat fee with Falaya. No, seriously. Falaya will list your home on the MLS and help you get all the way to the closing table for as little as a $399 flat fee. Our online platform is insanely easy to use and will save you thousands. If you're thinking about selling your home in 2022 and want to keep more of your hard-earned equity in your pocket, you need to check out Falaya. Falaya, real estate reimagined. Thank you all so very much for listening to this episode of the Patty G Show brought to you by Government Taco. They're located on the corner of Government Street and Jefferson Highway. Jay is always slinging up a new taco of the month. So if you're a frequenter to Government Taco, let us know in the comments what you thought about this month's taco of the month. If you're not a frequenter, maybe trying out this month's taco might just convert you. Big thanks over to them at Government Taco for making the Patty G Show possible. Imagine taxiing on a plane looking toward the end of the runway. It seems so far away, it's even hard to see it. And that's what the concept of retirement probably felt like when you were in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, way far in the distance, not visible or even a concern. But as you turn 50, something happens. Retirement suddenly seems like something real, something not too far away. In your 50s, you are rolling down the runway. Retirement is getting closer and closer, faster and faster, weeks and months zipping by. 
But are you even ready for a successful takeoff to retirement? Fear not, there's still runway left, but the time is now. Time to make progress and time to get a plan. The Runway Decade will help you get organized, get energized, and give you the direction you need to take off to your desired retirement. The Runway Decade, building a pre-retirement flight plan in your 50s. Thank you to Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge for making this show possible. Nick Pentis is a past guest. We love having him on. Listening to him talk about the culture they have over at Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge is really an incredible thing to hear. How they treat not only their employees, but every customer that walks through the door. You are more than just a number to them. They're going to give you that white glove, concierge service Every step of the way, they're going to make you feel like family and take what can be a stressful time in people's life, shopping for a car. They're going to make it so enjoyable and so pleasurable. You're going to want to go back there time and time again for every new vehicle. Thank you so very much for Mercedes-Benz of making this show possible. Thank you to our wonderful sponsor, Lake Men's Health Center with our Lady of the Lake Physicians Group. Guys, I know it's tough to get out and go to the doctor. I know it's challenging to find time in our busy days. But I promise you, signing up to be a part of this group with Dr. Curtis Chastain and Dr. Tyler Boudreaux, you won't regret it for several reasons, but most of those being the fact of the time it saves, where you're able to get in on the same day, get that appointment done, and spend that time you need to talk with them about what your health goals and concerns are, as well as ensuring that the financial investments you have, you will be able to live out and see those come to fruition. So if you're an investing guy, you know all about and planning for the future and investing in the future. There's no other more important thing to invest in than your health. Make sure you go check them out. Our Lady of the Lake Physicians Group Men's Health Center and tell them Patty G sent you. McClavey's Limited, a proud sponsor of the Patty G Show, has been serving the Baton Rouge area proudly for 40-plus years. Gentlemen and ladies, if you're shopping for your man, there is no other place in the Baton Rouge area to get your clothing, whether it's game day needs, everyday needs, business attire, formal attire, whatever you want. Go over there, see Frank and Ashley. It's a father-daughter duo. They do incredible things in their store. They will outfit you from as simply a shirt that you need for one evening, or all the way to a full wardrobe overhaul. They're going to take care of you every step of the way, and be sure and let them know that Patty G Show sent you. Thank you so very much to Currency Bank, a proud sponsor of the Patty G Show. If you are looking for a business bank that fosters on three core values, relationships, service, and technology, Currency Bank is the place for you. They pride themselves on convenient, accessible, and secure online banking resources where you can manage your account balances, initiate transfers, enroll with e-statements, and more via their online portal. Between the relationships, the service, and the technology, they are going to be that partner with your business every step of the way, regardless of what you need. Currency Bank is the bank for business owners.